Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. Thanks for tuning in today. Allie, the days are just ripping off the calendar. They really are. And I know that I said that, what, back in February? And now we're in April? April. April showers. Spring? Hamstring injuries. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's not how that goes. (laughs) No, but that's what we're talking about today. Hamstring injuries. Yeah. This article, it's too hot for me to even touch. It's it's from last month. It's right off the press. Okay. So yeah. it's not something from 14 years ago or no. 2012. No, this is from March 2022. Okay. And it's in uh, Journal of Orthopedic Sports and Physical Therapy, and it's called Hamstring Strain Injury in Athletes, A Summary of Clinical Practice Guideline Recommendations. These titles don't get any shorter, do they? Or more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, in our practice, they're exciting, right? That's right. So, you know, we do this little clinical corner each month. So this is our clinical corner for April. And we always try to throw a little nugget or a question in there for our students. Okay, you got your quiz question ready? Quiz question is ready. So anybody who's not... Pause and give them a moment to get out their pen and paper. Okay. (laughs) People don't use pen and paper anymore. Don't use your Google. (laughs) So what is the most common muscle involved in hamstring injuries? Because there's more than one hamstring. So it's not the hamstring. (laughs) Right. So um, both in first time and recurrent injuries. Injuries. So that's the question. All right. So this was an interesting um, summary. Uh, They looked at 14,000 articles. So that's a lot of articles. It's a little bit more than I've ever read. Yeah. I mean, they, they really did a deep dive to look at all the different evidence And so what they were trying to determine is how can they give some information to guide practice um, from an evidence-based standpoint, not only for treatment, but for prevention. So we're going to talk just a little bit about that. Um, But first, kind of talking a little bit about hamstring injuries. Many listeners may have had one. Um, I myself actually had a hamstring injury. And I always used to think my patients were such wimps (laughs) until this happened to me. Okay. So you're like, I've been through this, but now you're like, oh, I've been through this. Oh, my gosh. It was so exquisitely painful. Um, It's a different kind of pain. Yeah, I was was playing, uh, I was acting younger than I was. I was going to say, was this yesterday? How long ago? No, I was, this was several years ago, but I was long, long out of high school when I was going back and doing a retreat, and we were playing, the retreat leaders were playing against the high school students. Playing football? Football, yep. And I, uh, it was in the snow and <laughs> this is all adding up to, a good I know story. I should have known better. Um, but my leg like went one way and oh. I went the other. Oh yeah. Uh huh. And it was painful. Yeah. So, and that's the common thing. Usually it's, um, you know, some type of overstretching or quick loading of, of the knee or thigh. And then you feel this sudden sharp pain in the back of the thigh. And, um, it's, it's like I said, very, very painful. Yeah, sounds like it. And a lot of people, whether they're athletes or maybe just follow sports, you've probably heard about hamstring injuries. And it seems like they take forever to get better. You know, you hear about these athletes that injure their hamstring and maybe they'll be back, you know, this week and they're not. And maybe okay. next week and they're not. So 
Um, not as severe as like a surgery where they're out for the season. Yeah, it doesn't have to be always a tear. It can be just okay. a strain in the muscle. Um, but because the muscle has so much demand in athletic activity, um, it can often be kind of limiting. So they looked at this information when they did this review, and actually there's a range of about anywhere from three days to 28 days or more for length of injury to recovery. Okay, that's so a wide <laughs> It's a wide range, range. Um, but if you think about 28 days in a season, yeah, I mean that's just you a know, couple games. nearly a month. Yeah, so they could miss a lot from, you know, from a hamstring injury. Obviously, depends on the severity. Um, but what was interesting is if you had injured your hamstring previously, you were 3.6 times more likely of injuring it again. That that's bad. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. So for anyone out there, uh, maybe you're an athlete or have a loved one that is, if they've had a hamstring injury, the things we talk about today um, are going to be really, really important. And you should check out our episode notes because there's going to be some pictures and we'll put the full article in there, but there'll be some pictures of actually preventative exercises. One in particular that seems to be um, really through the evidence really, really good. So I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about um, what they looked at in the research when they examined hamstring injuries and what they found. Okay. Uh, it was kind of interesting. The hamstring muscle, actually the way the muscle's made, um, led a little bit to its propensity to be injured. Um, just based on the smaller, um, like, facile length of the tendons and parts of the hamstring muscle. Um, so it's a little more predisposed. It's a long muscle, crosses two joints, the hip and the knee. Mm -hmm. So it's going to have a lot of demands. Um, so athletes that do a lot of high-speed running are a little bit more likely, which, you know, again, you say athletes, but, you know, think about your soccer players, your basketball players that are running at a, a quick burst. Yeah. You know, those can really predispose folks. Um, they found abnormal trunk and pelvic posture. So when we do, uh, we've talked a lot of times previously on the podcast about we'll do an exam, um, we'll look at someone and, you know, we're looking at uh, their posture and how they move and how they stand. And those differences in normal pelvic alignment and normal what we call motor control, which is kind of like coordination, uh, can have an effect. Here I am fixing my posture again. That's right. Allie just <laughs> sat up straight. So not just your sitting posture, but kind of like how your Stand, pelvis yeah. of, um, interacts with your hips and spine when you move. Um, and uh, ham it was interesting because a lot of times we think about hamstring flexibility. You know, we're always saying stretch your hamstrings, stretch your hamstrings. Mm -hmm. And it, it's been talked about for years and years and years. Well, in this review, um, hamstring flexibility actually didn't really seem to have an indication on hamstring injury. So there may be some debate about that. You know, typically inflexible muscles can be tighter and stronger, so maybe less likely to injure. Um, they didn't really offer, the authors didn't offer um, information as far as why, just the fact that hamstring inflexibility did not seem to correlate to um, a propensity for hamstring injury. So no matter what, you're telling your kids or yourself or your team to make sure you stretch, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to get injured. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, that's a whole, whole separate episode or topic, <laughs> you know, but I think it's important when we look at research, like we don't want to make assumptions just because it's th something we think we knew or something we always knew um, and say, oh, well, people with tight hamstrings are more likely to strain it. We need to look into it, and this article and this review actually shows, you know, maybe it's not going to set them up for injury, 
um, exactly the way they looked at this criteria. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think if we, you know, so we've kind of covered like, you know, what is, what is the injury and what can set you up for the injury. So uh, unfortunately, if you do get the injury, let's talk about how you treat it, how Mm -hmm. you get it better. Um, I think that we've shifted over time and this article does a good job of highlighting um, you know, the recent evidence and really the, the grade A evidence out there is adjusting and modulating as much strength as we can based on the tissue's tolerance. So the sooner we can start strengthening, the better. Okay. Um, so strengthening exercises seem to really be the home run for, for treating this hamstring injury. Um, you know, really effective interventions, trying to get to that sweet spot of like six to 12 repetitions. Um, And you just have to be um, mindful about setting the load and setting the intensity of the exercise in a pain-free way. Okay. So uh, it was interesting, and again, this will be in the pictures, but one of the exercises they talk a lot about, uh, when we talk about exercising the hamstring muscle, we want to try to work it eccentrically. So there's two major types of contractions. Concentric is when the muscle shortens. So for the hamstring, that would be like bending your knee eccentric is when the muscle contracts while it's lengthening so the hamstring functions eccentrically um, as you're running to slow your foot down so it doesn't just pop out straight right oh so interesting yeah I learned so something new. <laughs> so eccentric or people might think of this like in in the old days or weightlifting days of like doing a negative oh. you know where they lower the bench you sound um, like such a bro yeah they lower the bench <laughs> press down so that's an eccentric uh, exercise um, you can do an eccentric hamstring exercises in lots of different ways, and it's you know, the article does point out that that's one of the um, interventions that does get grade A evidence is eccentric exercise, so exercises while the muscle's lengthening. Um, one of the ones they point to in particular, they call it the Nordic hamstring exercise. Um, I've seen this exercise many, many times. It's the first time I've heard it called Nordic oh, yeah. hamstring <laughs> exercise. But basically what it amounts to, and I challenged Allie to see if we could do a video oh, on no. this. So maybe we'll put this on TikTok. I or politely decline. <laughs> We're going to see if we can get her to do it. So stay tuned. <laughs> but um, it involves another person behind. You're in kneeling. So both knees on the ground, yeah. up tall. And um, the person's behind you and holds your feet, and you lower your trunk down to the ground. I feel like this is testing more than just your hamstrings, right? Like, it's got to have some core into it, too. It does 100%. So if you go back to, and that's what's interesting, I think, about this being one of the grade A interventions for treating the hamstring. If you go back to what was some of the evidence that they found that maybe predisposed people to hamstring injury, remember we talked about posture and Mm -hmm. motor control of the pelvis, and the trunk. So is this really eccentrically strengthening the hamstrings or are we working on trunk control, pelvic posture and motor control? My opinion, probably a little bit of both. All of them. All of the above. So that's probably why this gets higher marks than other eccentric type exercises that might isolate the hamstring only. Um, this is going to obviously pull in some of the trunk muscles and work on trunk motor control and pelvic control. So Again, if you have had an injury and you're healthy now, um, it really doesn't matter. You're still at a three and a half, over three and a half times more likelihood of injuring this hamstring again. So this one thing could be significantly preventative for you. So I would recommend if you're able, you know, download these pictures, take a look at them, give us a call, stop in the clinic. We'd be happy to show anyone how to do this. 
Um, you know, and I think it's important. Uh, and then from a treatment standpoint, it's probably hard to treat this on your own. You're mm-hmm. probably going to need some help because not everybody can just jump right up and start doing this Nordic right. hamstring exercise. And At least some medical supervision. Yeah, I think I think you need some I think you need some help along the way. And it's a perfect time for me to mention <laughs> that you have direct access. <laughs> there it is. You can come straight to physical therapy without a prescription or referral. Uh, we can take a look if you're having this pain in the back of the thigh. We've talked a lot about athletes today and about um, treatment and injury in athletes, but athletes aren't the only ones that have hamstrings. Right. And they're not the only ones that injure them. <laughs> I'm so, pretty sure I have some, right? Mulch season being upon us. Right. Spring. Many, many people, um, patients I've treated in the past, um, have told me they grab a bag of mulch, they bend over, feel a pop in the back of their leg, and boom, they have pain. It just sounds so bad. Yeah. So you don't have to put up with it and um, you know, just realize there's some great new treatment techniques um, and we're able to cut through the important thing I think of of these um, advances in research is we're able to cut through the things that don't work mm-hmm. and we're able to get right to the chase and just start immediately working on the things that are the biggest bang for the buck so I'm excited about these advances and, and all of our staff will be aware of these and thanks again for tuning in yeah that was a quick and easy one do you have the answer for our Oh, good question. question. Yeah. yeah, thanks. I've they were about that. to sign off, and they don't even have the I answer? No, I know. That would have been a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. We should have let them go. The well, students would have been clamoring. You're always thinking of the next one. Yeah, so um, I, I'm glad you brought it up. The long head of the biceps femoris muscle is the most commonly injured hamstring mu- muscle. The both long in, head of yep, the what? The biceps femoris. So both in first-time and recurrent injuries. It's actually involved in like anywhere from 79 to 84% of hamstring oh, injuries. Oh, wow. So when you say biceps, I'm thinking my arm. Yeah. But people there's think something that. in there. There is another biceps, the <laughs> biceps femoris. So femoris is a Latin muscle term. And if you think of the long bone in your thigh, the femur. Yeah. So the biceps femoris is, is in the leg. That's confusing. And it's a hamstring muscle. And so that long head is the one that's typically injured. Um, so, yeah, something to think about. There you go. And while you're at it, click around on OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com. Check out some of our new offerings like the Oxford Direct Club. And we will talk to you guys next time. Awesome. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com. And you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms, and until next time, keep it moving!